0: Welcome to the third episode of In Context. This is a CCSU Journalism Department podcast done by CCSU Journalism students. I'm Christina Bachman, your host and producer. Today we're talking about all things beauty. If the eyes are the windows to the soul, then the brows are the curtains, and we have students Amanda Kenny and Kelly Langevin talking about that. We'll also be chatting about those guys, you know them, who always wear shorts no matter how cold it is. Thank you for listening, and now for Amanda and Kelly on Brows. Like, oh my God, her eyebrows. Are eyebrows important to you? Eyebrows are important to me, yes. Yes, they were one of the first things that actually gave me confidence in my face.
1: Like, ever since I started doing them, I feel better about myself.
0: So what do you do to take care of yours? I go over with a pencil. I used to get them threaded, but now I only do them myself, so
1: like, I'll tweeze them myself, and then I'll just fill in the ends. My barber does them. I don't really get them like crazy, but he's just like... In terms of up top and bottom.
0: If you ever go get your eyebrows waxed and they do a bad job, well, for me, it makes me feel, you know, a little less than myself.
2: Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kelly. After talking to these students, we realized how important eyebrows are to people and how they can affect self-esteem. We sat down with Kyan Wolf from WNPR in Hartford and dove a little deeper into the emotional weight that eyebrows can carry. All right, so, I mean, we came here to talk eyebrows, so let's get to it. (laughs) Let's talk about eyebrows. What is your obsession with eyebrows, or what is it that you like about them?
3: All right, I I don't know when it started. I don't have any like earliest memory, but I I do remember a long time ago seeing a model on a runway who didn't have any eyebrows, and it freaked me out. And so I I started thinking about, you know, what is it about this model and their eyebrows or their lack of eyebrows freaking me out. And so I started thinking about, I've always felt self-conscious because I don't have strong eyebrows and I've always wanted them and I've always, I've always admired them. And so uh, when I was younger, I used to draw them in. And uh, thankfully, early on, I learned that eyebrows uh, supposedly are not supposed to be identical twins. They're supposed to be sisters. There's this fine line between Ah, uh, well drawn in, subtle eyebrows, and terribly done, drawn in. It is very eyebrows. hard to do. It's really hard. And so then I thought I also started feeling I was so self conscious about this, so self conscious about this for a I long time. was thinking I have to draw them in every day. And then what if I was sleeping over someone's house, and then I woke up, and then they'd kind of rubbed off, and then I wake up and I don't have the eyebrows that I had before, <laughs> and then and then they know they're not that's not my eyebrows and I wish they were and so then I got them tattooed on my face. Kelly did
2: something called uh yeah I got mine microbladed my eyebrows are used to be very very thin and my friend who is amazing at doing makeup I am not she I just felt like they looked so good and I tried so hard like every day Mm -hmm. to like fill them in and it is very hard to do if you're not good at makeup but for me it was really worth it because i did feel, like, insecure about them. And...
3: Isn't that funny how powerful that is? Like, when I got mine tattooed, it just, it looked like, I looked like, you know, like those old ladies who who have, like, silver hair and pale skin, and then they have black eyebrows? Boom. That's what it was like for me <laughs> for, like, a week, and I remember, like, I was wearing baseball hats just to try to, like, obscure anyone's vision of my eyebrows, so I went from, like, having in my opinion, not enough eyebrows for what I wanted to having like way too much. And even the, even after it healed, I still felt like, ugh, it's so, it's so clear. And looking back at photos of myself back then, like that I had had this done, that those were not my birthright (laughs) eyebrows. And, but for some reason, when you're in it and you see yourself in the mirror, you just don't see it that clearly. And so now, like, I I rarely will fill in my eyebrows. Now I feel much more self-confident about whatever I've got. So only on, like, shall I say, special occasions will I fill them in a little bit. But even then, I do it in the most minimal way.
2: Kion brought up a good point in that people can go to great lengths to achieve their idea of a perfect brow. To find out more about the options available, I spoke to a local esthetician to learn exactly what those are.
4: My name is Jen Bromley. I own um, Silk Waxing Spa in Berlin. We really have a huge clientele for, for brow waxing and brow shaping and brow tinting.
2: So in the last, we'll say since you own Silk, so in the last 13 years, how have you seen the eyebrow world change? Eyebrows are your face.
4: Like, that's what people see. And having a different shape eyebrows can completely change everything about you. And when I first started, you know, um, kind of more of like a thin arched eyebrow was really, really the thing, but now it's like these big brows are in and through modern science, we can help regrow eyebrows that were over tweezed, over waxed, whatever in the past and give people that, that full bushy look that they're really craving right now. So so what kinds of services do you do here at Silk? So- we do a henna brow service, which um, that's really our most popular service this past year. And not only does it give the client like a fresh makeup look on their face for a couple of weeks, but it the vitamins and nutrients that are found in natural black henna, they actually make hair grow. And people didn't realize that until people started putting it on their eyebrows. So honestly, that's how it was how it was discovered that it grows them but it's just been such an amazing service and and then we also do brow lamination which um if you have like a curly brow or a thick brow or your hairs are even too fine we fix the brow hairs in place where we want them to where we want each hair individually to go and then we perm it that way and it stays like that for about usually like six weeks ish is like what most people have been getting But it just gives the look of a more full brow
2: now what you don't offer microblading here but what is the microblading process so
4: microblading is a tattoo -tattoo, non-tattoo semi-permanent inking um, that looks like quote strokes of hair on your face um but what they do is they take little tiny razors and they do little slits in the skin and then they fill the slits with ink now that ink it's not a permanent ink it fades over time so you have to keep this up probably every 12 to 18 months
2: cuz so it's a pretty expensive service mm-hmm. i assume,
4: right yeah it's usually about 5 600 bucks if you want somebody good
2: do you have a lot of uh, male clientele that come here and what kinds of what kinds of things do they
4: do do you have a good amount of males and We have males that love to do the henna. and They love to do the lamination, especially because a lot of men have a very bushy brow, a very bushy brow, and it just gives them more of like a clean, manicured look. Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome that men are taking care of their eyebrows.
2: I put a lot of effort into my brows and have tried some of the services Jen spoke about, like brow waxing and lamination. We wondered what else could be influencing other people's perception of the perfect brow and where some of these insecurities can be stemming from. And even Kion had more thoughts about this.
3: You know, I was saying I feel a little strange that this is the first time I'm talking about my interest in eyebrows. Do you think that a lot of people are like me in that they think about eyebrows more than they admit?
2: I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Instagram Mm -hmm. that has, like, perpetuated this, like, feeling about having, you know, the perfect eyebrows. And, like, so I think everyone has more of an opinion than maybe they realize just Mm -hmm. out of sheer, like, I want to, yeah. Just for being exposed to it so much? I want to say yes, you know, too, because, right? I mean, I don't talk, I feel like I don't talk my, about mine, like, a, a lot to people. No, I'm actually kind of embarrassed how much work I put into my eyebrows. Unless they ask me, but yeah, I kind of feel like, I feel like I scroll through pictures and, I w- and I'm like, oh, like, she has really nice eyebrows, like, she's really pretty, or, like, so I feel like you have, like, this thought without maybe even realizing it.
3: Which I don't. I'm almost forty, and so the internet is like I had my teenager dumb without the internet, mm-hmm. for which I am so grateful <laughs> because I there are the beauty standards in the in TV at that at that point. There's the magazines and the dentist's office. but I didn't have the internet. So I didn't have to contend with this. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong Like, of course, I'm scrolling through Instagram like anybody else. But I think the culture now where you are in your lives and in the the bubble that is, you know, a university, it is a little different, you have different inputs. And so I am grateful. I feel that now something has changed in that I'm don't. I I'm not insecure about them the way I was. And I think part of that had to do, at least for me, with finding myself romantically with someone who, like before we met, I had stopped, I'd stopped trying to fill in my eyebrows. And so she, she met me and began to know me and began to love me without any makeup for a long time, except for like these little occasions here and there. And so knowing that I would be wantable and lovable and someone would wanna make out with me and squeeze me because my face, even though I didn't have the eyebrows I wish I had, made me on a deep level, let go of that anxiety. Thank you guys for tuning in.
2: We had a lot of fun exploring this topic and we hope you enjoyed it too.
3: We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you again to Amanda and Kelly for that segment. And now, what's up with those guys who spend 365 days of the year in shorts? When I was in elementary school, there was this kid named Matthew, and I remember him specifically for two reasons. First, he was the fastest kid out of all of us. There was never a time when he didn't finish the mile run first. But I also remember Matthew because no matter what the weather was like outside, he was always in shorts. My most vivid and really most jarring memory of him is one time during recess, there was a foot of snow on the soccer field. And all of us were in snow pants, except for Matthew. He was in shorts, and he was knee-deep in snow, and I couldn't believe it. But the older I got, the more I started to notice that there are actually a lot of guys, primarily guys, though I've seen some girls, who like to dress lightly even if it's freezing outside. And one of those guys at CCSU was a now graduate, Patrick Gustafson, who I have here with me. He was the former sports editor of the student newspaper here at CCSU and just notorious in our journalism department for wearing shorts and sandals. Even our department chair used to beg him to wear long pants. So there's really no one better to ask, Patrick, why are you always in shorts?
5: Well, the, the main reason I wear shorts is that it's for comfortability. You know, people always ask me, oh, aren't you cold? You must be freezing. And the answer is yes. Yes, I am. But I sacrifice being cold for my five-minute walk from place to place for comfortability. When you were younger, it was more about being cool looking cool in front of your fifth grade classmates. So it'd be like December and I'd have shorts on and people would say, oh my God, you're nuts. You're wearing shorts. You must be freezing. And back then I'd be like, no, I'm not cold at all. I'm a big tough guy. So, And I remember, I think it was in fifth grade or something, there was another person that did that too and we would kind of compete and I would win because I wouldn't wear pants and he would. And there'd be days at school where there'd be you know, inches of snow on the ground from the day before and I'm walking around in shorts and teachers are you know, asking what's wrong with me and my mom always used to joke, she's like, They're gonna think you have a rotten mother, but it's just it was my own decision. You know, even if she had told me to wear pants, I just would have said no.
0: What's the coldest memory you have in shorts?
5: Honestly, some C C S U sporting events in late February, it's not that warm. My legs typically don't get cold, but I just remember my legs are just like purple. And did that deter me from wearing shorts? The um. The next day, no.
0: You don't ever have any regrets, even when your legs are purple.
5: No. No, I I'm I'm I would rather be comfortable than I guess warm.
0: Whenever you see someone else outside wearing shorts in the cold, do you guys have a moment of connection? Oh my
5: God, yes, actually. There have been times where I'll see another guy in shorts, and you know, we we'll kind of just lock eyes and like nod, give a nod of like solitude, like yeah, you know, like um solidarity. That was the wrong word. I'm um, just like, yeah, you know, we're both stupid. Um, you know, we're we're both into this lifestyle. and I've never like stopped and talked to somebody like, oh my God, dude, you're wearing shorts, too. It's never been that, but it was more just sometimes, you know, it just kind of I, I respect the hell out of it. I respect it.
0: Is there anything you would like to say to people who still doubt you?,
5: oh, I don't have to wear pants to work, by the way, so I'm still wearing shorts.
0: Um, people that doubt me,
5: I don't see the problem with it. I don't go around and talking about what you're wearing. What's the big deal? I mean, sometimes maybe the sandals that I wear often go overboard, and I push it. I push it to lengths that I shouldn't, but the thing that always gets me mad is that when I'm wearing shorts in the winter, people look at me like I'm this crazy kind of person, but then I see people in the summer wearing coats and long pants. You're going to die. You're going to get heat stroke and die, and I'm just a little cold, and people are tripping at me, but in the summer, it's normalized. We need to normalize shorts year-round.
0: You're going to start a movement? Start a movement.
5: I'll start a hashtag.
0: (laughs) What what would it be, your hashtag? Oh, boy. Release the legs. (laughs) So when Patrick mentioned that, you know, his legs turned purple, that got me thinking, are there any serious health issues involved with underdressing in cold weather? CCSU exercise science professor Cassandra York says, potentially, but it depends on the person.
1: For the most part, it shouldn't be a detriment to them if they walk around in their shorts as long as they're not doing it for a very long time and as long as they're not reaching any point where they experience hypothermia or frostbite. When you can't feel your skin any longer or losing touch sensation, that's usually a sign that you are causing nerve damage. Um, So that's really the big one. I mean, yeah, changes in color in the skin, that's blood flushing to the surface of the skin to try to warm it up but it is a warning sign that you're getting cold. And then when things start going the other direction to white, that means blood's given up and has left the, left the building. But guys tend to run a little bit hotter than girls just because guys have more lean muscle mass and that elevates their metabolisms. So girls may say it's colder. Like I always know I argue with my husband that it's too cold in the house and he says it's too hot. So guys tend to run a little bit warmer than females. And as a result, they could probably get away with walking around shorts for a short period of time compared to women. When I was in college, I had one of my roommates. He was uh, um, a, a larger, heavier guy, and he always was really hot. And he would wear shorts in the winter. He'd ride his bike in the snow. He had studded winter tires. There's a lot of snow in Canada, so um, you know he just felt more comfortable in shorts because he was warm all the time. But also, kind of a you know, how he fit into society. He didn't really fit into a lot of clothes. So, uh, you know, it wasn't really comfortable for him to find jeans. Um, You know, he could wear sweatpants, but he didn't really think they looked as professional, I guess, as shorts. So he just chose to pretty much wear the or shorts all week long. But regardless, he still wore shorts, even in the winter. (laughs) But he didn't complain about ever being cold or have any issues with it.
0: Thanks for listening to the third episode of In Context. Please tune in next time. Christina Bachman, signing off.